Hi, and welcome to another episode of Quarantine, a podcast that tells stories of hope from Notre Dame in a time of social distancing. I'm Riley Knott, and in this episode, I interview John and Karen Dayak, the faculty and residence couple that live in my home on campus Dunn Hall. I asked John and Karen to come on and talk about their experiences with the coronavirus quarantine and how they see the world, especially higher education, changing going forward. So for this episode, I'm here with John and Karen. John and Karen, do you want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm John. I'm Karen, obviously. <laughs> we both live in Dunn Hall with Riley. We're the faculty and residence couple. I'm a professor in the history department. And I work in development, which is fundraising. Um, and I work specifically with two of the academic units here on campus, the Idea Center and Notre Dame Research. And John, what's your area of expertise? Well, I'm an historian of modern Europe, especially the Habsburg Empire and the First World War. Perfect. So I've known John and Karen for four years. I lived in Dunn and worked really closely with both of them and asked for a lot of advice from both of them. So it's really, I really appreciate them coming and talking to me for a little bit here. So how are you two? You're in Dunn still. Um, how has your quarantine experience been thus far? It's really lonely. There's nobody here. Yeah. There's only four of us in the whole building. Yep. And you guys were in Europe with Father Matt and Father Kevin. Mm -hmm. So you had to come back and socially isolate. For well, actually, quarantine. So we spent two weeks in actual quarantine. Jao John's got a visual aid. Um, in the meantime, while he's doing that, uh, we spent two two weeks actually not leaving our apartment. Um, but while we were here, we the whole world kind of changed, and so we got <laughs> we got the chance to be self isolated like everybody else. It really didn't feel that different. But so the yes, sign we says, self isolating. Yes, stop. Do not knock or attempt face-to-face -face contact. We are self-isolating. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that um we put this on our bathroom door. Oh, nice. I think yeah. I saw that. We're keeping this one. Yeah. That's it... <laughs> I think I saw that when I was in the door moving some of my stuff out. Most of my yeah. stuff is still there, but I think I saw that and it would have been nice to stop in and say hello, but obviously that was yeah. for everybody's benefit. And thank oh, God people through the window. Yeah. Yep. And neither of you were sick though from that. No. You're both okay. So that's thank God for that. So that's wonderful. So um, yeah, talking to Father Matt yesterday, um, it seems like it is a very different environment than you guys are used to and what you guys signed up for. So mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry that you guys are having to be there, but I think um, I'm really grateful that you're here to talk to me about this right now. So I'll just roll, let's roll right into the quote that we picked together. And this one um, from CST is from Pachaman Terrace by Pope John the 23rd. And so the quote says, from this, it is clear that no state can fittingly pursue its own interests in isolation from the rest, nor, under such circumstances, can it develop itself as it should. The prosperity and progress of any state is in part consequence and in part cause of the prosperity and progress of all other states. So this quote, I think, you know, with relevance to the coronavirus and the quarantine has been going on, obviously, heavy emphasis on globalization and what's been going on um, around the world. And you guys have kind of seen what's been going on from a different perspective, maybe starting in Europe, having to come home. Um, why'd you guys choose this quote? what do you think was interesting about it? Well, I mean, part of it is, um, it's, it's an international relations type of quote that uh, says that states can't exist without other states. And so part of it has to do with economics. Um, it's, it's a pro, it's a pro globalization, pro capitalist, sort of quote um, in some ways. I mean, it's coming out of the, the late 1970s um, at the time. So that might've been, uh, been a way of, of trying to bridge 
the uh, the gaps in the Cold War. That's my historical sort of take on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think this, in addition to that, I'm actually a PhD geneticist, so this whole thing has been super interesting to me from a professional standpoint. Um, I'm not an epidemiologist, but it's still the, the science of all this is fascinating to me. Um, and to me, it's really emphasized, I think, the economics where we're such a connected society at this point. The world is very small, and something that happens in a place that I had never heard of in China directly affects my life a month and a half um, is really fascinating to me how that and why that is the case both yeah, scientifically really. and economically it really is an event like nothing else we've ever experienced it shows like yeah. the extent of all the traveling that we don't really ever think about all the people that have traveled yeah. to and from and the ways that this has spread over time it's really pretty incredible and the way that also we're we're using other nations as a model for what we should do what we shouldn't do and also trying to help other nations as much as we can, you know, necessarily like maybe um, I know Father Matt had a lot to say about how the service work that he used to participate in and support has been affected by this and that a lot of companies are like foreign aid companies are suffering because of it because donations are drying up or volunteers mm -hmm. are drying up, etc. So it's it definitely is a global issue with a really that we've not really ever seen before. And also, but frankly, it's been very close to home. I've had several of the done folks contact me to ask if they knew anything about summer internships, which had suddenly disappeared for them. And that's like, there's this sort of global contraction and like economic distress, but it really hits home in very specific ways to, to us as well. Let alone if, yeah, I mean, I thus far have not known anybody personally that has a family member that's been sick or has been sick themselves. Um, I don't know if that's the case for you guys, but I can only imagine if you were a student in college and your parent or your grandmother or someone got sick, trying to balance that also with academics mm -hmm. would be really difficult. So yeah. I guess, um, John, this kind of caters to what your expertise in as being a professor. Um, how has online teaching been going? What have you realized? What are the big differences between teaching in person? Um, I think the biggest difference is um, teaching in person is a lot less, um, believe it or not, time intensive. And um, I mean, for instance, I have a I have a lecture course that on the Habsburg Empire, and typically the last part of the semester, um, I can focus on. Um, I don't have to prepare much for class. I assign readings, and I just walk into class um, and let whatever expertise I have in the field kind of get help me get the class started, and the students are able to. Um, to cover the rest, right? They've done the reading, they've been keeping up, and through their questions, but also through um, the discussions that we're supposed to have, um, the, cat, the class is carried forward, and the second half of the class is also very writing intensive the way I had planned it. And so I thought, well, I'm gonna be preparing less for class so I can focus more on their papers. And uh, what has happened with um, online learning is I can't do that. And I can't really rely on my students to sort of to lift the same amount of weight that they were lifting uh, that I had planned for them to lift in class. And so it depends a lot more on me recording modules, writing lectures, recording lectures. I've, I've been posting them online so that students can watch them independently uh, because I just think that's a, a better way than having everyone kind of um, log in on Zoom and <laughs> sit there on mute or and pay attention or not. Um, and also, I edit the lectures, so they're a little bit more polished than 
than it would be if I were just on Zoom um, trying to find a book that I'd forgotten to read the quote that I was that I wanted to read or whatever I was doing. So um, I've actually spent a lot more time working on teaching now that it's that it's online. Um, and what it's what it's told me is that or what it's what it's indicated to me is that the community of a classroom is um, is so rich that it carries a lot of the intellectual weight that you're not going to have when everyone's separate logging in from home. And just being present together in class is um, is really one, uh, it carries just so much power with, of, of education. Like students educate each other and and teaching at Notre Dame especially, I've, I've used that to my advantage to try to harness that in the classroom and make the classroom work that way. And um, teaching through Zoom or Panopto doesn't have that same amount of horsepower. And so, um, so I've been working harder, and I don't know if the class um, is better for it, but it's, at least it's not awful. Yeah, I think that I've noticed that too is the, the time that you miss, you don't realize the value of it in that perhaps like passing periods. Um, when you would leave a class and you would talk to someone who sat next to you about what you learned and just that little five minute conversation might help solidify something. Or also like to your point, when you're creating these online lectures now, your job is not just to answer questions and to be the font of knowledge. You also now have to anticipate questions that may have been asked because it's very, and it's more time if a student has a question and they have to email you, then it's more of your time to respond to the email, more of their time to write the email versus mm -hmm. it was so much more natural when you could just be in class, ask the question. And then, then that question might then take the conversation in a different direction that was for better or worse. You know, I think that um, discussion classes have definitely, I can't imagine, I don't, not in very many because of my major, but I know a lot of friends that are in um, PLS, you know, um, that their entire class is to read a book and then to come in every day prepared to talk about it. And yours is very similar to do this reading and then come in ready to talk about it. And I work at home now too, shockingly. Um, and I watched him work so much more on this than he would have on a lecture because he, because the part of the prep that he would do before is just make sure that the discussion was going to flow well. And now that's just not the same. So he has, he has to be the sage on stage so much more, more intensively than he would have otherwise. Oh, yeah. I'm sleeping a lot better though. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. So there's so much quieter in the dorm. Yeah. Well, tired and it's quieter in the dorm. There's nothing yeah. keeping you up. So Karen, how has your job changed? Obviously, I'm sure it has a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, work in home, right? So I'm sitting, so luckily we had turned the spare bedroom into an office for John, so he has a great space for him to work in. We're currently in Karen's office right now, <laughs> or our living room. So at 8 a.m. I kick him out of my office, <laughs> and uh, he has to go somewhere world because I have to be on Zoom meetings all damn day. She doesn't like it when I do this. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, as today is an example, I spent four, uh, four hours in the morning, a half an hour break for lunch, and then three hours in the afternoon on Zoom meetings. Wow. But they're exhausting. Yeah, they because are. you have to perform more, right? Like it's not, it's not just, as you said, the five minute hallway conversation, which could get the same thing done. You're, you're sort of on. Uh, it's more noticeable if look you're at what motive she's being right. <laughs> I've, learned, I've learned. I've learned. Glasses, so her eyes are bigger so too. I, well, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's really why. But um, you know, it's just it's a, for me in a different way. It's exhausting, right? I I do the same 
sort of amount of work, but I think A, the breaks aren't there because I can just go from one thing to the next without literally getting up. And um, B, it's you do have to be more engaging and engaged or else people notice it in a different way than they wouldn't if you were just sort of, you know, in your office sitting there. So don't look you might be on you might be on camera are you recording yourself too yeah yes i am yeah, you can't really do this you can't look bored yeah it's true yeah. <laughs> the um something i've thought about too and i colleen's sisters she talked about this some are both working from home and they were citing that they felt that their employers now that they knew they were at home and that they didn't really have anywhere to go didn't have anything to do that they were kind of asking them to do more work that they were asking them to they realized they didn't have limitations that mm -hmm. they were expecting more of them from this time, which is yeah. a really interesting, you know, going forward that when we all go back to work in the offices, are we going to now have set a new level of productivity that they know we can meet at home? Or do you think that productivity is going down with everybody at home? I think it's a little bit of both from my experience. So, uh, you know, we don't have kids other than the 225 of you guys. Um, and you're not here right now. So, <laughs> um, but my coworkers who have young children who can't entertain themselves for eight hours at a stretch, I think, and I'm not, I'm not being angry or judging about it, but I think they get a lot more grace on, Hey, I couldn't answer the phone because I had to deal with my kid. Um, than people who don't have that. I, I don't personally feel like I've had more put on my plate, but my plate is a very different plate than it was a month and a half ago. Um, and just because of the nature of the work, you're not asking for, for benefaction when, people don't know what the economy is going to do in the next 24 hours. Um, so I don't, on the one hand, I don't feel like my job is more, except for that all of our team, all of my peers, the job is more in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you think that when we return to work, well, one, is everybody going to be happy to be there and happy to see each other? Or do you think everybody's just now going to be missing the time that they had at home with their kids? Do you think some people, I think it might be a little both again, yeah. but. Um, Definitely but, heard many of my team say, uh, spent more time, more quality time with my kids in the last three weeks or whatever it's been um, than I have in the last three years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, so I think there's that good that comes from that, like giving people the time mm -hmm. to spend that with their kids. But I think you're, you're spot on when you say that people are going to go back and it's going to, it's going to be different. It's going to be a change again. Your your plate is mm -hmm. going to change back or it might now be different going forward. That could be really interesting. I mean, a lot of our priorities are better. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, there's, I've, I've been fascinated also by this like genre of literature again in quotes that has emerged of, people who have gotten forced to actually interact with their partner um, and are finding out that they don't, they're not in any way compatible. Wow. You know, the CNNs and this, the slate news, and you can get my political vent out of that right now, but right. Like these, these articles about people who are forced to now spend 24 seven with their, with their partner and haven't, you know, have yeah. realized all their annoying texts and, can't deal with it and are just like about to divorce them on the spot. I'm like, how did you? What? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. How did you not anticipate that? I've, I've yeah. heard, I've heard that um, some people think that six, nine months, well, nine months from now, that there's going to be a like a corona baby boom, and then people so, think that 
I don't know. Cause like a lot of people are scared, right? Like this is a very scary also true. thing. So I think there will be more babies than perhaps would have been natural, but not that many. Right. Perhaps, perhaps. But then I think you're definitely right. I think we are going to see over the next six months or so a rise in divorces. Crazy divorce rates. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think that that's already yeah. happening in Wuhan. Did, I've seen this already. Is it? Oh yeah. my gosh. I did not know that. Um, it's really, I mean, that's sad because people, I guess people maybe just assume that the lives that they share, um, when they're both working out of the house and all that stuff is what's going to be like. And so maybe they're not prepared for this. So, um, it, it is a different situation for a lot of people. So it, it makes it's sense. Forcing them to kind of be really present in their lives and, and confront things that they, they were not, they, they, they weren't able to avoid by just working too hard and not having conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Early on, one of my coworkers forwarded to me a tweet about somebody who's like, my new coworker sucks. Um, work from home. Uh, so we've had to assign a third person, not real, in the household whose name is Cheryl, who we blame all the bad stuff on. Oh, so we've done this. It is perfect. And so we've created Cheryl. But we've frankly, like, really, we've only had to invoke Cheryl, like, twice. Well, we've invoked her twice, but every time we've invoked her, we've laughed. The initial thing we did was weaponize Cheryl. You know, Cheryl told, told me that she, she doesn't like you because you suck. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> You're bad at your job. <laughs> then the only stop other... flushing. Cheryl wants you to stop flushing the freaking toilet while I'm recording lectures over there. Oh, my gosh. It's adequately hydrogen. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but then the other night, John actually shaved because he had to record some stuff, and Cheryl left her beard hair in the sink. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that, that was a legit Cheryl. That made us both laugh, and she said, "I wish Cheryl would actually um, would not leave her beard hair in the sink. Wash her whiskers down the sink next time she shaves her face." And when she said that, right, I, we both knew that I didn't do something that was that I should have done, and that I normally do do. Um, Let's face it, I do do that normally. I do wash. Yes, I do. I do. Um, but when she blamed it on Cheryl, we both just started I mean, cackling with laughter. Yeah. Um, thing, right? and, That's yeah. been our like violation of the week, I guess. Yeah. Month, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's funny because now, do you think that we're going forward, we're going to have all these fun memories and things that like... I mean, something good that can come out of this. I mean, I think we will. Like, yeah. It's been fun for us, mostly. <laughs> we've enjoyed working from home together. I mean, we're working hard, but the five minutes that we have... Between things. is a good time. Right? We work in different parts of the university, so on busy days, we might go 10 hours without seeing each other. Yeah, um, we have dinner with the Deeks or something. So we don't really get to see each other between 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. And then Karen goes to bed at like 8.30 in the, in the evening and won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> yeah. She's sleeping. And grumpy. She's grumpy, too. <laughs> it's it's interesting i've heard from another married couple that i was talking to that he's a phd student and used to just go to the hesburgh library to do all of his work but now is working out of their basement so um it's a different situation for him because he has to kind of readapt but then also he gets to come up and have lunch with his wife and his kids yeah. you know which is I mean, a we've cool definitely had more meals together in this past three weeks than probably in since january before that yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's a uh, I mean, just looking on the bright side, you know, trying to make the best of a difficult, yeah. hard situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
picking your guys' brains a little more about something you both know well. You've lived in a dorm now for four years. How do you think? Well, that and Notre three Dame, before that in our right in, in, in Chicago. True. Yeah. So, how do you think that campuses, Notre Dame specifically, are going to rebound from this? You want to start? Um, I mean, uh, one thing we might we might want to start thinking about is the you know the three year requirement to live on campus. Um, is it conscionable? Is it moral to force people to live in close quarters together? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the density of of people that we have in rooms um, may in the future not be permittable anymore, and maybe we need to build more dormitories or, and and spread people out or release the people from the, people from the three year requirement. Um, and of course, the three year requirement um, has at its heart the idea of of maintaining and building community, and so that probably is going to stay important to us. But can we? Um, keep it in this sort of push people together in doubles and triples and 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 six men uh, living very densely and you know taking a lot of money from them um, or do we have to create a bunch of singles um, I, that is one of the things that's in the back of my go, mind going forward with on-campus housing and residential life um, and it's something that what about large classrooms large classrooms um, is, is another thing just like that, right? These are, these are ways that universities um, save money or make money, right? By teaching large classes and by concentrating people in dormitories. These are, these are I mean, there's good things that come out of them, uh, but they're ways of saving money and devo- devoting funds to other things that we can do, like, you know, high level and expensive research or-, or But we also like all share dumplings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to figure out, right? Maybe this is just a a one-time pandemic and we're all going to be immune to it because we're either going to have a vaccine or we're going to have, we're going to catch it and it'll be over and that'll be it. We don't really have to change or maybe we have to think about these things. Um, I mean, the the good thing is now we have time to do it. And I'm sure that's, there's a lot of people in res life and in the administration that are, this is what all they're thinking about pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And the very relevant to us, both from living here and from outside my office window, is JFAM, Johnson Family Hall, which is construction is ongoing right out there. And every day when I'm trying to be on conference calls, I put myself on mute because there's banging and beeping and <laughs> all these yeah. other things going on. Yeah. <laughs> And, and let's face it, the workmen have a very colorful vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've learned words we've never heard before. Oh, <laughs> and people on your conference calls don't need to hear that. Or people <laughs> in your students listening to your lectures don't need to hear that, I would imagine. Yeah, I think but that... To answer your question from my perspective, from a yeah. development perspective, I yeah, mean, please. there are a ton of smaller liberal arts colleges that are not in such a good position as Notre Dame, right? I mean, we have frankly, an extraordinarily large endowment, um, literally outside the norm. And so whatever happens, we're going to be able to weather it. But first of all, there were already too many colleges per number of students. I think there were more seats than butts to fill them. And many of those schools are probably going to close. And it's it was happening anyway, but I think this particular moment in history is going to accelerate that. And it's going to be sad to see, but also... It, 
it was coming anyhow, and this has just forced the hand sort of. And yeah. the strange thing is, as liberal arts colleges are probably um, healthier places because they don't concentrate students as much because like um, they have small classes, because they have dormitories that don't squash as many people in. But, you know, Notre Dame and the other places like Notre Dame are going to come through this fine because they have the funding to get through whatever, however long this is, you know, and, and keep the doors open in whatever sense that looks like. And also that there's amazing brand loyalty, both from the alums and from current, what, who are now current students, right? Whatever it looks like in the fall, the current juniors are going to come back. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I think that this, you know, in general, with college life specifically is a great example of this. This pandemic is causing us to rethink a lot of things that we've always done in certain ways. You know, like I lived in dorm for four years and pretty much anybody that's been in college since Notre Dame was created lived in these same buildings that was crammed together. They had large classroom sizes, all that stuff. So that all might change and it might have to change going forward because something like this happened and we don't want something like this to happen again. You know, because one thought is if everybody on campus lived off campus, you know, in small apartments, could learning have in-person learning have continued some way? Probably not because it's so many students, but you know, just there are there ways that there are smaller classes where we could social distance even in class? Like are there ways that we could have worked around it? Yeah. Um, interesting questions. Um, I'm glad that I'm not the one that has to think about it going yeah, forward. But frankly, me too. I'm happy to let that be above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm kind of think about it and offer my own un, uh, yeah. opinion. That's it's definitely, I think my it job as an academic. It is your job. Um, we're nearly at time. So any kind of last thoughts about this? Um, the whole thing about being on campus, preparing for next year, all that? No. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, for me, I just, I wish all you guys were back here. I don't know if that's safe or not, but frankly, I miss you. Like, I didn't really realize how different it was going to be when we came back because we got the notice that you weren't coming back while we were gone, while we were abroad for spring break. And I didn't really understand what it was going to mean in my life and in like just sort of my day that there wasn't somebody to come home to. And I miss yeah. it. I, I really do want you guys back as soon as we can make it happen. Yeah, I think everybody wants to be back. And, you know, it's difficult to know that I'm not going back there to live there uh, anymore. But yeah, you guys, you're seniors. I feel so. I feel so much for you. I have so many things, not just sad, but that among them, that we don't get to say goodbye properly for another year, that things are so messed up with your, like, longings, your stuff's yeah. still here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I know it's safe with you guys in the dorm still, <laughs> watching out for all, it. All four of us are taking good care of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. There are so many plants. I should tell you this. There are so many plants down in the first floor kitchen because everyone oh, no. plants down. So we're all washing them and like watering. Them. Oh, that's so that's so good. Chris, um, Chris Hayes's uh, orchids are now in my. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad you guys are doing that. Yeah. I didn't have any plants, thank goodness, or else they'd be long dead by now. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. 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 I mean, community is so important to what universities do and what they do well. And um, I mean this. This virus just attacks. Um, Whatever they said at the beginning, it's indiscriminate. But it attacks what makes uh, a place like Notre Dame great, which is the people. And you know, I've I'm working hard because I'm trying to deliver um, a classroom, an education that is sort of on par with what students 
deserve and what they expect, but it's so much harder with the students not there because um, because students carry so much weight in the classroom. They're really um, just as important as the professor, just the um, and pro probably more important than the professor. Um, and so we need to figure out ways to get people back on the campus and learning with one another and and being able to have um, a shared experience together not not online but in person um that's that's got to be our goal and if it takes a while it takes a while but we need to get back to having people back in classrooms together and if they're smaller classrooms great um i think that's i think that's better yeah i wholeheartedly agree i think it will be a time for celebration when we're all able to go back and do these things in life as we knew it maybe it'll be different but back to some semblance of normalcy that we used to have so i guess we can all we can do for the time being is anticipated and do our part to socially distance and make sure that this is over as quickly as possible yeah. so thank you guys for your time i really appreciated yeah. um, hearing from you and your insights so thank you for being a part of this and have a good rest of your day oh you too bye, bye riley bye for more information about catholic social teaching and how notre dame is putting it into practice in the real world please visit the Center for Social Concerns website at socialconcerns.nd.edu. To access a database of all works of Catholic social teaching, please visit convocate.nd.edu. For more information on how Notre Dame is responding to the coronavirus, visit coronavirus.nd.edu. For more information regarding specific health and safety guidelines in your area, please refer to your local authorities.